podcast from Green Curtain Theatre. I'm sure that many of you will recognise that piece, McAlpine's Fusiliers. It was chosen to accompany Helen Collins' piece when we performed our new writing in January last year. What's going on down there? I just had to get out. Your man's singing. My mother's favourite song. Sure, that song could bring a tear to a glass eye. You don't need to worry about me, Frank. I promised your mother I'd look out for you. Uncle Connie says we're off to live with the old enemy. Right enough, I suppose. But who's our new enemy, eh? And Father Daniel says we'll be corrupted over there in England. <laughs> Corrupt, is it? And what is it at home, I ask you? Do you really think it's as bad as all that over there? We'll find out soon enough. Remember the crack we had working up that big hotel last summer? I do. Great gas. What was the name of your man working with us? Hogan. Brendan. Brendan. Brendan Hogan. Brendan Hogan. <laughs> Always acting the maggot, that fella. What happened to him? Didn't you hear? No. What? He got killed. Over in England. Ah, Jesus. His mother's hair went white overnight with the shock. God bless her, the poor critter. Working for one of her own, too, at the time. What happened? A trench collapsed on him. Brendan. Digging trenches. With no timber supports. Sure he'd no sense, that fella. Couldn't find his own arse if he was using both his hands. There's stories about lads getting killed every day, or taken to the drink. Yeah, there's stories about lads getting good money too. Is it all about the money? Not much for a future without it. Everything I need is back home. Everything I need is at home too. Except work. There's other things besides big money. <laughs> big money, is it? Any money would be good right now. There'll be no one left at home one day. Indeed. And look at us. We're going too. It's a problem for the politicians to solve, not for the likes of us. Our neighbour Seamus has gone 12 years now, and his sisters too. As long as that. Married a Limerick girl he met in London. Got two children now. He's different now. Doesn't fit in at home anymore. Suppose you're bound to change a bit in that time. Hasn't his oldest boy got a Cockney accent? The old people are very confused by it. They don't mind the money you send back, though. Aye. The youngest brother was able to get himself an education because of it. Fair play to them. They've found a good life for themselves. It doesn't seem right. All the young leaving. Not everyone's leaving. Feels that way sometimes. So why are you going over? You know fine why. Aye, to help your ma out, is it? Dad's health isn't getting any better, you know. He's a decent father. I'll say that much from 
not like mine bawling and roaring and giving out about everything and everything <laughs> he has a temper on him alright temper should only have to glance sideways at him to get a leather and sure you wouldn't know what's eating him I won't be missing that old devil that's for sure tis my mother I feel sorry for aye she's had a hard life that's for sure we're pulling in better shake ourselves there'll be a mad rush to that boat train I, I can't go Frank come on Sean we'll get the start on Monday I can't go Frank I can't do it you'll be fine once you have a pint of pother on you you know I don't drink, Frank. I've never had a drop past my lips. That'll have to change, boy, when you're in England. But I promised me, ma'am. Aye, it's your mammy, is it? Who'll be up at six, waiting in line for the start, is it? Your mammy? Will have some Egypt ganger man yelling in her ear because he's not got enough men for the job, is it? Your mammy? Will be digging, pulling, carrying for ten hours a day, will she? Six days a week? And you're thinking a glass of red lemonade will kill the dust to the back of your throat at the end of the working day. I'm not going to the pub. Oh, so you'll be happy so. Sitting in the doorway because the old one who's after renting your room won't let you in unless it's for sleeping. I tell you, you'd better get an interest in seeing your dirty socks going round and round and round and round. Because that's where you'll be. Every fucking Sunday after mass in the laundress. Because you wouldn't join the lads in the pub. Now, pick up that bag and let's get moving. But Frank... No. Sean. Your dad's sick. There's no work at home. Grow up and come on. You'll just have to learn to like to drink. I went along to speak to Helen. Hi Helen, thanks for coming along. I'd like to begin by asking you why you chose the 1950s as the setting for your Peace Crossing. Well, in many respects, this is a personal story for me, as my parents were among those who emigrated around this time. Ireland in that decade was a time of enforced emigration for many, in fact, thousands of people, mostly very young, left Ireland every year in the 1950s to immigrate to Britain in search of work. When they arrived, life was often very brutal. For many, working conditions were often extremely harsh, coupled with the fact that they faced alienation, loneliness, exploitation and culture shock. You said that you wanted to focus on the vulnerability of young men. Can you tell me a little about why you think this is important? I think this is something that is sadly rarely ever spoken of or discussed except occasionally through the medium of song and in the work of some migrant writers such as John B. Keane and Donald McCauley who have touched on this subject. It's sometimes forgotten that many of those who emigrated and as I mentioned before they were often very young, some of them only teenagers were not worldly, wholly unprepared for life outside their own country, let alone city life. In particular, the young men faced a brutal existence of hard work and exploitation, even by their own countrymen. Also, dreadful living conditions and a hostile host community 
I mean, if you think no blacks, no dogs, no Irish. I think it's great that a theatre company like the Green Curtain Theatre offers an opportunity to discuss these events and issues. What would you say to the people who say that by focusing on the negative aspects of immigration in the 50s, that you are avoiding talking about the success stories that came out of that time? Of course there are many success stories, and I'm not denying these success stories, but reminding the audience of not only the challenges that faced those who achieved success and the sacrifices that were made for that success, but also those who did not attain that and who have been forgotten or left behind. Many of those men and women who came were broken in mind and body by the conditions they endured. They often carried a sense of shame and inadequacy, which meant they never returned home. Then eventually it became too late to return as their relatives died and their homes no longer existed, and the island they left behind had changed and moved on. It's worth remembering the enormous contribution that generation made to the prosperity and success of post-war Britain, and the remittances sent back home that kept the Irish economy afloat, if you like, a precursor to the Celtic tiger, and for that it is worthy of being documented. Sean, one of the characters in your piece, says he doesn't drink alcohol and he won't go to the pub. How true do you think this was of many young emigrants at that time? I think it was very true. I mean, remember, most of them were still very young, so probably wouldn't have got into a drinking culture before they left home. Many ended up with alcohol-related problems after they arrived in Britain. In many respects, they were drawn into it, and it's quite easy to see how the pub became a focus for those who felt cut adrift from home and familiar things. It provided solace. It was a community of sorts, where they met others, others from home and shared stories and songs, a network where they heard about work and sometimes got paid there. Often they lived in substandard accommodation, you know, digs, where they were not allowed to go back until late in the evening, so the pub became a sanctuary for young men especially, who were vulnerable, homesick, living hand to mouth and displaced really. It's unfair in my opinion that that generation in particular has been stigmatised for that, without appreciating the challenges and hardships that they had to face. Finally, Helen, I'd like to ask you, in what way do you think the experiences of the people who came over in the 50s, 60s, 70s, etc., are relevant to today's young immigrants? We are living in a time where today's political climate is so charged around immigration. It is worth reminding ourselves that many in the past face some of the similar challenges that still exist, despite the fact that we have technology that improves communication. There is a thread that runs through some of those experiences that I think still resonates today. Thanks very much. We appreciate you taking part. We end this podcast by listening to Funula Flanagan reading The Emigrant Irish by Evan Boland. It was chosen by Helen as her favourite Irish poem. The emigrant Irish, like oil lamps, we put them out the back of our houses, of our minds. We had lights better than newer than. And then a time came, this time now, we need them. 
their dread makeshift example, they would have thrived on our necessities. What they survived, we could not even live. By their lights now, it is time to imagine how they stood there, what they stood with, cardboard, iron. Their hardships parceled in them. Patience, fortitude, long suffering in the bruise-colored dusk of the new world. All the old songs and nothing to lose. This has been a Green Curtain Theatre podcast, recorded in March 2019. Visit our website www.irishinlondontheatre.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the podcast service to be informed about new episodes as they are released.